Hello everyone, welcome to Pinkin.com Norwich City Podcast number 355 on the way. So that went well. Borough bashing and spanners in the works. My name is Michael Bailey. Joining us here this Monday afternoon at Archant Towers, we have Norwich City correspondent Dave Freezer. I'm going to introduce you first because you're sat next to me, Dave. <laughs> that seems logical. Hello. <laughs> uh, well, no one knows you're sitting next to me. So it's, uh, Painting the picture. In, this is it, in, in, the, in the dank meeting room that we're in. <laughs> Mr. Paddy David here as well, Chief Norwich City. Uh, correspondents here too. Hello, Pad. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, world. How are we all? Uh, Tony's here too. Hello, Tony. Hello. You said dank, but just admiring the artwork around the room. Indeed. Now, isn't one of these pieces by Susan Gunn? The one over in the corner. It's got a nice crucifix. Looks like a sort of a over large bathroom tile. Delaying an extra time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Paddy, you're better at this than me. There's a few bits of um, Susan Gunn's work around this building, I think, aren't there? Yeah, there are, yeah. Early works. Mm. Um, It's probably even more valuable. Are you going to film that one, Tony? We'll we'll do a feature. We'll do a feature. (laughs) When you say we, you mean you. Uh, Yes, indeed. It's lovely to have Susan. It brightens up the place, especially in dank meeting rooms. Are we all well? How are we doing? Long old poke this weekend. Tony, you got to go on the coaches, you lucky devil. Yeah, to be honest... It wasn't the coach itself, but the journey. I've got some admiration for the fans that do it every week. Thought I was going to die at one point, but that was just. <laughs> from, I had a had this weird ache in my arm for for uh, Saturday and into Sunday. I thought might be having a heart attack, but it's, it's gone now. So you're right. I yeah. think I'm alright. Good. Okay. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on. Good to hear. Just to Google certain ailments. Yeah, don't do that. Or, yeah, no, no, no. I, I for sure thought I was going to die in Blythe, but wow. I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> you're not the only one. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened, especially at the services. But there we go. Oh, uh, gents, are you, you alright, first of all, health-wise? Yes, I think so. I don't think I'm having a heart attack. Um, you got loads of sleep, didn't you? Thankfully, I did. I may have got a little bit more <laughs> sleep than you boys um, <laughs> in the hotel. The uh, extra hour threw me off. Um, I was literally still on my phone after finishing a bit of work. And um, as I was about to go to sleep, I still wasn't feeling that tired. I struggled to get to bed after night games anyway, generally, although obviously this wasn't that late. But whether it's the adrenaline or, or just being switched on from work and stuff, I, I do struggle to go to sleep. I, I can't imagine what it's like for players. But I literally saw my phone click from 12.59 to 2 a.m. Um, so I physically lost the hour in front of my eyes. So um, that was uh, that was interesting. But yeah, I had a lovely lay-in. All right, okay. Well, me and Pat had a lovely breakfast, didn't we, on our own in the end? <laughs> Nearly had to have a second breakfast while, while we waited for Dave. <laughs> How are you, Pat? Are you well? Very well, very well. Okay, well, just before we get stuck into the proper stuff, uh, remember that you can uh, get in touch with us here to share your thoughts, help us set the agenda. Just send an email to thepinkin at archant.co.uk or you can get in touch via the usual social media channels. And uh, make sure you don't miss a single podcast throughout this season. There's not much of it left now. By subscribing, all the de- details are at pinkin.com slash podcast. So, as is customary now, uh, we will have a quiz question from Football School, the amazing quiz book. Paddy, do we still think this quiz book is amazing? Yes, we do now, because this is a blinding question. <laughs> this will have the audience wrapped. Gosh, don't keep us waiting any longer, please. Which football club? Simple as this. Has provided the most World Cup winners. Which football club has provided the most World Cup winners? You can pick from Juventus of Italy, Bayern München of Germany, Barca of Spain, of course, slash Catalan, Forts Catalonia, Santos of Brazil, Pelé's famous old club. Not West Ham. 
No, 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 sadly not, no. That's what came into my head. <laughs> <Was> <laughs> it? yeah. It's amazing what a reputation can do for you. Oh, oh that's, that's a good that's a, it's a good question. Yeah. I thought a Brazilian club straight away. Did so. you? Yeah. Well, in that case, that would be Santos. But if you think it's a European, Juventus, Bayern or Barca? Oh, mm. you're saying Bayern. I would probably say... Just thinking about West Germany, I'm sure a lot of those players played at Bayern, but... No, I was sort of half thinking Juve, but well, how many Brazil and Italy have both won four World Cups, haven't they? And Germany have won three. Five, five. Five, yeah. See, I told you, wonderful question. That wasn't what you were saying before you found the question. That is a that is a decent question. I'll go with Santos because that was my first instinct and I know if I listen to Tony I'll be annoyed <laughs> when I'm when, wrong <laughs> when you said it Paddy was sort of nodding so I think you think it's Santos but Paddy has, have, have you checked the answer I know the answer ok Tony I'll go Bayern I'll go Juve then Ooh, I mean, you're probably right Dave but we'll see we'll see and of course that question will be answered in our new segment well it's not really Tony anymore the Pink and Norwich City podcast Extra Time which you can view exclusively on the Pink and app if you haven't downloaded it yet <laughs> what have you been doing Pink and two words search for it in either Google Play or the App Store and we may well give you a shot of the Susan Gunn artwork on the on the wall as well and, and the two awesome pictures uh, uh, in front of you which are Dave you'd like into something or other the other week didn't you I'm not sure that's fit for the podcast Excellent. what I uh, likened it to but <laughs> I don't think there Susan Gunn works and we should say for anybody wondering this is the wife of Brian of course yes it's not just a random Susan no um Brilliant. Well, we know we'll show you the other artworks as well, and they can work out what you maybe thought you <laughs> saw, Dave. Anyway, okay. So uh, football talk. Let's do some of that, shall we? Because that's why we're here. It's only six minutes gone. That was the week that was, which was, of course, Middlesbrough away. Um, use a c- um, simple as not quite so. It turns out Norwich are actually quite good, and they are now in. I don't know, what word would you choose to describe the position they're in now in the league, Paddy? Two words, cruise control. It's it's just whether they win the title or not, I think, ultimately. Um, And that isn't meant to sound arrogant, it's just realism, because the other two can't put a dent in them if they continue to win games. And, And even if Norwich do slip off this very, very high perch... They've got enough points in the bank now and the games are running out consequently for the others. So um, I think the more more interesting element will be once Norwich's promotion is confirmed, whether they win the title or not, which they should really do now. I mean, we just did a Q&A there at lunchtime and somebody was asking how many points would it take to win a title? And if you think 94-95 sounds about right, well, at that mark, Leeds would only be able to drop another two points in their entire run-in. And Sheffield United, bearing in mind they're further adrift, then you can almost discount them. So our lead's going to pick up 19 points, I think it'd be, from 21. Not going to happen, is it? So um, so basically, I've given Norwich the title. Yeah, Never mind promotion. Hmm. I've given to, you know, what are we bothering about? Let's just crack on to the open-top bus tour. <laughs> Happy days. I mean, the, the points total certainly sound right. I mean, Norwich's record second-tier points total is 94 points, so they're, they're probably in danger of of actually beating that I mean but it's hard isn't it because and Anel Hernandez said it there's still seven games to play and you've actually physically got to win them I guess we're just going on just how imperious they look defensively they do look really strong they look resolute and they look like they will repel 
things, whether it's last ditch or through their general play. They've got goals all over the pitch. They can do the robust stuff and they probably play the best football in the league as well. So four wins, two draws and a defeat from the final seven would give you 95, wouldn't it? So that will uh, do very nicely. Um, yeah, they're in a... They're in a. It's just a dream position, really, to be on eighty-one points, seven clear of third, and five clear of second, with seven games remaining. I mean, if you'd have offered that to any Norwich fan before we kicked the ball at St Andrews, or the Norwich players kicked the ball at St Andrews <laughs> on the first day of the season, people would have just laughed at you and said that was ridiculous. Um, you know. I, I, as our YouTube videos painfully um, reminded us all uh, recently, I predicted tenth. So, um, and I, I, you know, I wasn't in the minority. That anybody that was predicting automatic promotion was being pretty wildly optimistic. There are a few more serious pr- predictions of, of playoffs, but you know, I don't think Stuart Webber's going to be uh, ringing us up and saying, oh, "Look how wrong you were. You you predicted tenth because that." that that was progress. That's what we were looking at, that they we needed to see signs of progress. To, to see it all literally click into place in this style is, you know, fairly miraculous. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, three wins from here certainly would, would seal the deal. Um, four wins should certainly be enough for the title. And, and I think you've got a heck of a, a Yorkshire heavyweight battle um, shaping up for that second position. I could really see them both chopping and changing throughout this final final stage of the season I'm going to have to dig it out but I had um, I had Stuart Webber on my Formula 1 podcast last May I think it was late May and I've sort of you know I'm not supposed to ask him any football questions but I think I asked him some sort of general coded questions and one of them was about where he expected Norwich what was the expectation for this season I'm going to have to dig out the clip because I think he was like 14th yeah. uh, and, and I remember him saying it and thinking well that that's really low <laughs> Um, unless I'm just dreaming this but I'm going to have to try and dig it out but um, yeah it's was, it was in there somewhere but uh, in terms of the game at the weekend Paddy I mean they were given a test weren't they from Borough quite, quite a stern one in the first half certainly the first 20 minutes and a lot of Borough fans think well if we'd taken our chances we'd have won the game and maybe if they'd have scored first it would have altered the dynamic greatly but I have to say I, I, I still felt pretty comfortable throughout with with what Norwich had about them and that they would probably break them down in one way or another? Yeah, I mean, the reality is my measure would be how many saves did Tim Krull make that you wouldn't have expected him to, him to and, a, and there wasn't one. There wasn't one outstanding or even above average save. You know, a lot of the stuff was dropping to one knee, grabbing balls that came in from the edge of the box. Um, Fletcher should have curled maybe that one on target in that spell I think you're referring to Johnny Asson had a good chance as well from the edge of the box but really Bar Zimmerman's superb goal line block and Tom Tom Tribal at the the far post late on yeah but that's merely echoing what Tony Pulis said when he came into his post-match press that he in his opinion you could dispute this or not but they were the better side but where they weren't better is in the final third and that is the theme he thinks as long as you've been there they've, they've just not been clinical enough um, he referenced that actually I've forgotten the Danny Ayala header which went against the outside of a post that was probably as close as they came and he said really those need to go in and and then of course yeah it's the old cliche goals do change games but uh, but in terms of yeah I'd take your point entirely the control element bar the harem scarum nature of the first 20-25 minutes where it was a little bit Norwich playing Borough's game 
you couldn't uh, honestly, I don't think, say that Norwich didn't have the better chances. Yeah, and the last 10 minutes as well, where it was sort of kitchen sink time, Jordan Hugo was on the pitch and we all knew what was happening. I kind of forgotten that Ryan Shotton was um, their sort of main armoury in terms of long throws as well. And They've got a tall order, really, haven't they, in terms of keeping their momentum for the playoffs, but we won't really talk about um, Middlesbrough. Uh, I reckon we move straight on, actually, to Gongs of the Week. Thanks, Tony. I don't think I don't, if that comes across, it's going in the edit. <laughs> uh, first of all, there now, big Duncan Forbes hero of the week. Uh, now I've earmarked two potentials, but I'm going to see who you guys go for because you might cover them both off. So, Dave, who's your hero of the week? I'll offer up a Ben Godfrey um, because obviously O'Neill and, and Zimmerman are going to get a lot of. Um, I'm revealed them now. Look. The are going to get a lot of love, aren't they? So this is maybe a little bit left field, but. Um, I thought Ben was really good at Borough and A, he pretty much won the ball back and uh, ahead of the goal, which Buendia diverted into um, Hernandez's path. The one in the first half where he put his head in bravely to stop Fletcher being able to shoot at the back post, I thought that was a really big moment actually because... Um, you know, if um, if they'd have scored, then that was at the end of that sort of period you were just talking about, wasn't it, Pat? So, uh, and then two massive blocks uh, from John Obi McHale. One in the sixth minute of injury time after Norwich decided to try and score rather than, p- than put the ball in the corner. What was that? Hernandez, Buendia, and Pucky for some reason decided to try and score. So yeah, I thought Ben because he'd made a big error for the England under-20s in midweek, hadn't he? So to get a clean sheet and play such a pivotal role in it, I was I was quite pleased for him and, yeah, I think he at least deserves a nomination. That's a great shout. Great shout. Pat? Well, well I was going to develop the left-field theme. I'm going to throw Farker in and it's obviously not really re- related simply to this week, but um, a couple of stats caught my eye there earlier today. They've got 61 per- win percent. 61 win percent percentage, if I can say the words. Um... 27 wins this season I actually had to count them because I thought well that's, that doesn't make sense they can't have 27 wins that's all competitions obviously um, but it is 27 wins 61% win percentage it's just phenomenal statistics um, and as much as it's about players it's also about the head coach and what he's done and um, you know he deserves every plaudit and ole going <laughs> there's always a few uh, certainly the moment I can't remember the last time they didn't have to do it I guess it would have been eight games ago wouldn't it yeah. <laughs> to be honest um, it, yeah. phenomenal um, well I'll mention Christoph Zimmerman because there was also the, the obviously the block that happened um, slightly earlier than, than Ben Godfrey's which is just one of those pieces of defending I get. I guess that you sort of um, latch onto and everyone latches onto in terms of what it meant you know it, and I have a feeling we're going to hear a lot about Christoph Zimmerman over this week because you know you get a player where the narrative is there and at the moment it's there with, with Christoph a, a player who we all know the journey he's made and what he's some of the decisions he was making in his life before he came here about maybe giving up the game what have you I mean he there was, there was a post the Norris City Twitter feed put up during the international break our captain Christoph Zimmerman and I looked at it and I thought hmm that's interesting because you know I think Grant probably feels he's the captain yeah. and there may be a few but actually you watch the guy play and um, they mentioned it during the Sky game it was a lot of that um, just captaincy of Christoph in the Ipswich game and again on on Saturday it's um, 
despite it being a team where everyone is taking responsibility, the, the way Christoph is holding himself and, and working this side is, is, is quite something to behold at the moment. It was a great moment, yeah. I, I, and I did touch on this in the six things in today's paper and online. And there's a lovely photo of him walking out at the Riverside. He's got a big, uh, big smile on his face and he just looks really proud. And I think he's looking over to the away fans and seeing them cheering. And he just looks like he's absolutely loving it. And, yeah, there was a lot of direction, wasn't there? For instance, uh, when Steepman went down in the second half and got a bit of treatment, he w- he took that opportunity to go and gee everyone else up, didn't he, and organise. And he's really grown into the armband almost. And, uh, as I say, I mentioned it in the six things, that at this rate, you know, if somebody's got to lift a trophy, it's not going to be Grant Hanley, and it's probably not going to be Alex Tetty. Who's, who are Norwich fans going to want to lift that trophy now? It's going to be Zimbo. Maybe with Tete, because he's the the longest serving current player, that would be nice. But I think Grant, you know, would probably be a little bit embarrassed to do it, wouldn't he? Because he's not played. And he knows that's not because he's necessarily done a great deal wrong. He's been unlucky with his injuries. The red card obviously was a bad moment for, for, for Grant. But it's the injury which messed him up at the start of the season, really. So it's not really a slight on him. It's just, I can't imagine him being the man to lift it on the City Hall balcony. It's, it's Zimbo at the moment. And there's obviously, I noticed the discussions about player of the season have, have, have altered slightly from our world. Tamer Pookie's a shoe because he's got all the goals to, well, actually, if you have a think about it, then Christoph's your, your man and you've written in, him in your column, haven't you, Pat? Yeah, no, I'm not going to say that. Never would because I've written about him so I'll have to do another column if I start using any app material move on read, read Paddy's <laughs> thoughts I love it uh, the other nomination was Anel Hernandez but we'll we'll move on from that uh, how about instead our Kevin Muscat villain of the week Pad, you written a column on that one or can we have no, a bit of no 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 I see the name down there on Dave Sheet George Friend yeah I thought um, very lucky to stay on the pitch um, we'll gloss over Steeperman's poor tackle as well but two very naughty challenges first one on our ends particularly um, wasn't even a free kick no but <laughs> and and it wasn't a, an attempt to win the ball which you could argue Steeperman's was that was um, down the back of his calf uh, not sure that's the way you play football by controlling it with your calf so um, and it, to me that continues an actual theme I was thinking about this uh, with Aaron's Jay Rodriguez wiped him out at West Brom there's been one or two others he's coming for a bit of stiff treatment now whether that is because his star is on the rise maybe the, the reputation is going a, a, a in front of him now and there's some of these more should we say opponents who've been around the block a few times uh, maybe wanting to bring him down a peg or two I don't know but um, I'm not saying it's a premeditated act but it does seem that he's coming in for a lot of heavy treatment but they're really barking up the wrong tree because the, the guy's temperament apart from his talent for, for one so young is phenomenal and uh you know, all he does is he'll, he'll dust himself up and he'll, and he'll come straight back for more. So that probably is another tick as to why he's potentially a very special young player. So, um, but that was naughty. So, um, yeah, George Friend for me. Yeah, fair shout. And he got booed, didn't he, as well, um, Max, after the first tackle because he managed to get up. <laughs> um, I think by my reckoning, George Friend was booked once, wasn't he? And he could have been, should have been booked, should have been booked three times because um, the, the, the one through the back of Emmy Buendia was yeah. was a yellow card all, all day long. And obviously Max, that challenge was at least a yellow. So... Well done, um, David Coote, who had a rather curious game of it, but I wouldn't want to criticise them too much. They have a very tough job, Dave. They do. Um, yeah, I don't like talking about referees too much, but um, yeah, Downing took out Aaron's as well, didn't he, on the wing yeah. uh, second half. Um, Max's pace was really important, actually, I thought the other night. There were a few times where he um, 
got out of an awkward position. There was actually a couple of times when he covered for Zimmerman, wasn't there, when he happened to be in the right place. So I thought, yeah, I think him and Jamal are hitting phenomenal levels of consistency at the moment. Um, yeah, I'd go with Friend as well. I mean, Danny Ayala is similarly um, sort of an instinctive handball to stop Hernandez going clean through, which he got booked for. And then he stood on Kenny McLean's ankle as well, didn't he? Which he could well have got a yellow for if he wasn't already on one. Um, was it Ayala who got booked for the handball, was it? Yeah. Oh, that's why I'm getting confused. Apologies. I thought that was George Friend. Carry on. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Ayala. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I suppose uh, he did uh, miss a big chance as well when he hit the post. So um, we can probably let him off. So we'll stick with Friend. He did. He did. Did Norwich a favour. Brilliant stuff. Um, how about then our. Uh, well, I, I've mentioned Johnny Howsam, which uh, I, I don't know. He's only a villain in terms of Borough, I suppose, having been their boo boy earlier <laughs> in the season, uh, missing one of their better chances and also getting caught in possession to give Norwich their goal. So maybe he should be our hero of the week. Maybe that's. I've got that the wrong way around. <laughs> uh, Simeon Jackson moment of the week. Is there one that we haven't spoken about? I mean, the scenes were special, I have to say, in the game. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll, that's where I'm coming from, particularly Paul Chester and photographer extraordinaire has got a lovely picture of basically I think I tweeted it as well but it's been in print it's been online of uh, Farker just embracing well basically strangling almost Emmy Buendia and Kenny McLean it's like two sons almost kind of thing and uh, he hasn't seen them for six months uh, I think it just encapsulates yeah the ties that bind between players and head coaches uh yeah just joyous really those scenes at the final whistle you know with the fans involved as well and they could, and you could tell that it felt there was an extra edge to the celebrations from those players and head coach. They will play it down. Feet are on the ground as Farker continues to repeat. But that was a big win. Yeah, O'Neill can take the moment of the week, can't he? It was a lovely strike. Um, sort of dances way across the box like he does, and sort of one in ten ends up in the back of the net, doesn't it? Um, I don't think Wendy quite. Meant, I don't think it was a back heel like some people have tried to make out. I well. I kept watching it and I couldn't work it out so I replayed it frame by frame right. on, on my TV and he sort of has his weight on the foot which is, makes it look like it's gone behind him but there's no way he's done it deliberately I, I, from, from looking at it slowly it's more the transfer of his weight rather than him actually backheeling the ball it looks brilliant but I don't think there's any way he yeah. meant it right place right time worked out <laughs> but O'Neill made the most of it didn't he it was, it was a good finish and great moment right in front of the away fans how many times I, I, I'm not sure it's possible to check this but they always seem to score away from home at the same end as the away fans that, that happened throughout the season that all Rob the scenes Rob. Bristol City I mean Max scoring that um, late level there's been so many of them haven't there but this isn't an accident is it because mm-hmm. if you think bad. Norwich have deliberately turned the opposition around yeah. so that they don't shoot towards their fans in the second half um, and so that Norwich are shooting towards the Buckley in the second half so generally away from home teams will have the away team shoot well no they should yeah so I yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's like a benefit for Norwich, but you'd think away teams would maybe not want teams shooting that way. But anyway, I have to get myself in a muddle there. What do you reckon, Tony? Uh, well, the Riverside was empty anyway, so yeah. <laughs> Clip yourself out there, mate. Hashtag Borough. Okay, mailbag time. Uh, we uh, of course have your have the discussion led by your uh, contact. Uh, we just got one email we're going to go through now. But of course, if you want to post things to us that we can discuss, then you can do that on social media, be it the Pinken channels or of course our own personal ones, or you can send an email to the Pinken at archant.co.uk. Dave. 
yes, we had an email from Jeff Parfit, um, who uh, was just highlighting uh, the Paul Lambert interview on Radio Suffolk. Um, say, and Jeff said, uh, it sounds like he's starting to prepare his exit from Ipswich. So uh, that's one to uh, look... Bowser the dog in. He'd <laughs> do a better job. That's one to look out for. But yeah, he certainly seems to have maybe just opened the door ajar to a possible exit, doesn't he? We, he knows what's going to happen in his head. So that's the most important thing. We shall see. But Jeff comes on to say, uh, really enjoying the coverage of our promotion. If you need extra ideas for the podcast, I'm thinking that expectations of next season should be less about players and more about still not knowing what Daniel Farker is capable of. Also, we haven't seen much of him lately, but I think a key player next season could be Todd Cantwell. If he's still here, if theoretically he's out of contract in the summer, isn't he? But I'm sure the option will be taken. Yes, um, and if they go up, I suppose there could be a consideration of a loan with Todd. Um, although I doubt he would go along with that. I'd imagine he would say, no, 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 I'm staying here to fight for my, my chance in the Premier League. And of course, the first half of the season, he was very good, wasn't he? Um, he made a very major contribution as... Several players who aren't playing at the moment, like Leitner, Vrancic, um, Teti, all, all have closer. You know, they've got, there's been a real squad effort there, hasn't there, this season? Um, but in terms of Daniel, I mean, his style is something that enthuses me for a potential Premier League season because I think they are in, in a similar way to, to Wolves when they went up, but not, not the same style, of course, because they're a bit more of a powerful, slightly more direct, whereas Norwich are a bit more possession-based. I think they've got the potential to go up and, and beat the likes of Burnley and Brighton and, and the lower-end teams. I mean, whoever you are, as Stuart, the Q&A that you hosted, Michael, with the Canaries trash, as Stuart Webber said that night, you know, you look at Watford, they go to Liverpool and get thumped 5-0 and they were eighth in the table. Manchester City smashed Schalke 7-0 in the Champions League. These, t- they, these are super... T- um, super clubs aren't they they are billionaire funded clubs Norwich are not going to go up and all of a sudden mix it with them it's all about being those lower end teams and I, I see no I don't the, the current Norwich City team that we're seeing at the moment I think would quite comfortably win you know half of the games against those lower end teams I mean the one thing we can say is that they'll have a settled identity we could probably tell you now what the criticisms will be in the first few months of the season because you can see where they sh- where they could be you know, picked off at times. Likewise, their strengths maybe when it comes to Premier League because there's not going to be drastic changes in terms of how they go about it and the shape and makeup of the squad and the the tools that Daniel will have at his disposal. Yeah, absolutely. I would share Dave's optimism. Yeah, it's hypothetical at the minute, but should it come to pass, um, you know, I love the bloke to death, Chrissy Hewton, but that is a bang average Brighton side and they look to me to be on the downward curve. So. If I'm thinking, are there three teams who Norwich could finish above, which has to be the first objective if you go into the Premier League and however you achieve it is, you know, filling in the gaps. But Norwich wouldn't have anything to fear from the two promoted clubs who join them out of this division. And and like I say, I throw a Brighton in there. Burnley, maybe without a distraction of the Europa League, they might not be that end of the table next season. But yeah, you know, there's a freshness. And as you rightly say, Michael, there's a... There's a growing philosophy and an identity and Norwich know what they're trying to do and how they want to try and do it. And I think that will carry them a long way. Allied to, you know, if they can repeat the type of recruitment success they've had last summer and the summer before, then absolutely no doubt they will stay in the division. 
Okay, so the week ahead is uh, we have a midweek game next week, of course, which we'll touch on next Monday, uh, Reading. But it's QPR this weekend. Now, we'll do most, I think, of our previewing in the uh, Extra Time pod. So, as I said, you can catch that on the app. But, uh, of course, breaking news today, Steve McLaren has been sacked. Uh, We were talking about whether that was possibly likely earlier this this morning. And then it pretty soon came about and it wasn't an April Fool. So that's good. And you could kind of see as soon as you started scratching below the surface of QPR's current malaise and form exactly why it was um, going to happen and, and has happened. Yeah, one win in the last 15 in the league. Um, so only one league win in 2019. What rubbish side did they beat? Leeds, ah. strangely. Uh, but very much to uh, the help of Norwich, wasn't it? They won 1-0 at home. So, yeah, they, they did have a couple of little surges, didn't they, earlier in the season where they looked like they could get into the into the playoffs. But uh, they were in good form, of course, when Norwich went to Loftus Road and, and won. So, um you know he's he's a busted flush, isn't he, Steve? Um, fans have no faith in him. Who you know any championship club? If you said Steve McLaren's your new boss, you'd be like, oh god, here we go. Because <laughs> I mean, if if he if he Terry's was, eyes have just lit up. <laughs> there's there's no one that wants him. He's he's done. Um, so it's probably the right move for them. Um, that was probably the last QPR, probably the last club that would want him at that level because yeah. he had a really good number two slot, hadn't he, alongside Harry? So. It was one of the few places where his reputation was still intact. I saw a few tweets to QPR's official confirmation of it saying he should never have got the job in the first place. So, if, to be fair, from their point of view, this seems like a, a decision with the future in mind, doesn't it, with next season in mind. But whether it gives them any bounce or not, I don't know. Um, their assistant manager, John Eustace, takes over. He, um, I was just having a look at him, and he, he did have two seasons as a manager of Kidderminster Harriers, and he twice nearly got them into the Football League. So he, um, he's got a little bit of experience. He can organise them. And there is ability in that QPR squad, isn't there? It's just... Um, perhaps not much backbone not much of the the right attitude so as much as it it does throw, throw a little bit of doubt into Saturday's game it doesn't worry me because I can't see any caretaker manager short of Pep Guardiola being able to turn QPR into a team who are going to stop this Norwich team at the moment Dave's gone the big in there <laughs> um, John Eustace Cov legend Pad. well no I wouldn't use the word legend no he was a uh... Uh, to coin a Cantonarism, he was the water carrier, a bit of the Deschamps in the Cov's midfield. Uh, I think Huckabee might have just overlapped with him, and he's so we're going back to the Dion Dublin, Darren Huckabee era. Um, just a solid citizen, so you know, as a character. So if he's he's taking that into his management, he will be. I think he would be quite a likable character with a group of players, and it sounds like looking at that batch of results and drastically poor form that it was anybody but McLaren so that not a concern but that clearly should improve their performance level this coming Saturday there's no pressure on them at all all the expectancy is on Norwich however much Farker is playing it down and for me the only issue is the complacency factor that that, you know you can say it till you're blue in the face that we won't take anybody lightly but by implication if if a QPR team have just fired their manager and have won one game in 15 are going to a team absolutely on fire then you're only human if you th- if you if you just assume this is going to be a walkover I mean on the Q&A there was a flavour of that at lunchtime it was like how many will Norwich win by very very dangerous territory that um, irrespective of who's in the QPR dugout you have to assume they will be a lot better than they've shown and probably the Leeds game actually is a good benchmark I'll watch that game that night and they were good. They were good. They were really combative and cohesive, and they 
it was almost like they knew the odds were against them and then that sort of rallied them. And I'd imagine if Eustace was in the dugout that night, he'll be reminding that, that group of players this week, you did it against Leeds, you can do it against Norwich. So, yeah, slight concern. But to echo Dave's point, you know, where Norwich are, where QPR are at a minute, should only be one outcome. I guarantee you Daniel will be talking like that, won't he, as well, in the press conference before the game. Brilliant stuff. Well, we'll, uh, we'll do a bit more previewing then of, uh, of the QPR game and uh, loads of other stuff on the Extra Time podcast. Uh, Pink and Show is on Wednesday. Make sure you catch that. We've got Scott Howie down at Departure Lounge. That's exciting. Uh, anything else happening this week, Dave? You're normally good. Or any other business? I don't think so, no. I just, uh, I think, you know, we sit here on Monday and like we did the Q&A at lunchtime. Everyone's just gagging for half 12 on Saturday already, aren't they? Because it's so good at the moment. You just want the next Norwich game to come around. It's going to be a long week. Brilliant stuff. Okay, well, we're done in that case. Thanks uh, to you all for listening. It's goodbye from Dave. Cheers, Dave. Thank you. Cheers, Paddy. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Tony. Goodbye. Brilliant stuff. Uh, remember, pinkin.com for the latest Norwich City news, analysis, opinion, and transfer insight, which uh, is going to start ramping up soon, isn't it? Ooh. Uh, we'll be back with you each and every Monday for the rest of the season, so make sure you get in touch, get involved. This is your podcast as much as it is ours. We will answer that earlier quiz question and anything else we can think of, including more uh, QPR previewing and the artworks in this room. Uh, that will all be in the pinkin.com Norwich City podcast extra time. Go and get the Pinkin app to watch that. Until next time, here's to City being so good this season, even managerial bounces cannot derail them. Goodbye. <laughs>